You pick up your Bible and wonder, is there more here than meets the eye? Is there something here for me? I mean, it's just words printed on paper, right? Well, it may look like just print on a page, but it's more than ink. Join us for the next half hour as we explore God's Word together, as we learn how to explore it on our own, as we ask God to meet us there in its pages. Welcome to More Than Ink. Hey, do you remember in The Wizard of Oz, toward uh-huh. the end, when the curtain is pulled back and you hear that voice that says, pay no attention to that man behind the curtain? Right, right. Well, when someone says, don't look behind the curtain, all you want to do is look behind the curtain. Right. Kind of know. Right. So in that movie, the curtain was covering a fake. Right, right. But in the tabernacle today, we'll find out it has another purpose today. On, on More Than, than Ink. Well, welcome back this morning as we read the Bible. I'm Jim. And I'm Dorothy. And this is More Than Ink because we are persuaded beyond all doubts that the Word of God is more than just ink on a page. Mm, it's living. <laughs> it's and living. It speaks to us fresh every time we look into it. And it's central to God's plan for what He has for us in life. So here we are reading it, and many times we don't really know what we're going to expect to find. So we are, in that sense, we're sort of adventuring our way into this and discovering things and making comments and pointing left and right about what we see. And we hope that you're doing the same thing, reading with us. We're reading out of the, the ESV Bible, the English Standard. So that helps if you're following, so you don't have to kind of translate on the fly with your version, but or you can just listen. But we're looking at the ESV, and uh, and we're, we are now, uh, well, we finished building the tabernacle last week, didn't we? We got all those Well, that, that the holy place. Yeah. Yeah. Later on, the entire structure that included the outer court became referred yeah. to as the tabernacle. But right. here at the beginning, just it's the, just the actual central tent. central tent, God's right. house. And as you recall, this all results because God's intention is to want to dwell with Israel. His intention is to dwell with us, among us. And In our so, midst. So this is his way of saying, as we go across the desert in tents together, I'm going to have my tent and I'll be in the center of life for you. So that's what we're doing here. He's specifically telling us how the tent is supposed to be made because this tent reflects who he is. And we've been making notes as we see things inside the tent as well as the tent itself. And, uh, And we are still inside the tent today with a couple of fabric barriers is what I call them, really famous ones. Well, and it doesn't just teach us who God is, but it teaches us what is required in order to live in relationship with Him. Mm -hmm. And so everything that is inside this God's tent uh, speaks about that. Yeah, about who lives yeah. here and what is what is it like to live in relationship with Him? And it's it's meant to tell us some very obvious things as we walk into this structure. It's God's house, but as we walk into the structure, as we move from the outside to the inside, uh, you see things, you experience things, you see things there that are specifically designed to remind you. Like for instance, when you go into the tabernacle itself, you know, on your left, you see that big candelabra with the lights, right? I mean, man-sized. It's a mm-hmm, big thing. Big. On the right, this golden table with these loaves of bread on it kind of uh, hints at fellowship with God. The other one, light, enlightenment from God. Uh, another piece that we haven't looked at yet is the is the altar of incense, which represents prayers right next to what we're going to look at today, the veil which separates us from the Ark of the Covenant. 
Are we ready? Uh, well, I guess so. Well, let's do it. Okay. <laughs> well, if you're following with us, we're in chapter 26, and we're starting in verse 31. Okay. And just before, in verse 30, uh, God had told Moses, now make sure that you build it all according to the plan I've shown you on the mountain. So that instruction punctuates mm-hmm. all the way through these instructions. So God seems to be indicating that he has given Moses a very clear, there may even have been a model, something that he could see exactly what it should look like. Yeah, because it seems like we read these instructions and we're like what what yeah. does that mean how do you build that yeah so uh, and hebrew says you know moses was was an architect or he was the executor of god's mm-hmm. architecture yeah. so you know there there was a, some sort of a concrete plan that yeah. god was showing it, moses it seems like this this written plan here is slightly inadequate but he does say a couple times he says to moses what you saw in the mountains so right. he might have what seen more saw, than what you saw so yeah so we okay. are very specific, very specific. So. so we're only going to deal with these six verses talking about this very important part of the holy place that separates, it separates the, the holy inside place structure. from the most holy place. Yeah. So I'm going to start reading in verse 31. And you shall make a veil of blue and purple and scarlet yarns and mm-hmm. fine twisted linen. It shall be made with cherubim skillfully worked into it. And you shall hang it on four pillars of acacia overlaid with gold, with hooks of gold on four bases of silver. And you shall hang the veil from the clasps and bring the ark of the testimony in there within the veil. And the veil shall separate for you the holy place from the most holy. You shall put the mercy seat on the ark of the testimony in the most holy place. And you shall set the table outside the veil and the lampstand on the south side of the tabernacle opposite the table and you shall put the table on the north side okay let, let's just I stop, stop there, there. okay because yeah, that's the veil um what we call the veil which unfortunately it's when, an interesting word isn't it's it? an interesting word yeah it's it's i mean it literally i looked into it it doesn't mean a wispy thin piece no, of cloth but that's what we think of but that's what we think, we think of. of nylon net that's flimsy yeah. and you can see through not it. that at all in fact if i remember correctly when we get down to solomon's temple much later than this uh the the this veil this big piece of fabric was described as being four fingers wide right it was four fingers thick. thick yeah so we're talking about a very thick thing completely excluded light into it i don't think it's that thick here but it's a substantial thing it's not a wispy well, I remember they thing. had to carry it yeah so it probably yeah. wasn't but i'm just saying if you're thinking of a wispy almost see-through kind of piece of fabric that's not what no, we're talking about this is about. a substantial Right. piece of fabric and this is this is made to separate actually to create uh, a barrier in a way but to separate a third of the space inside the tabernacle from two-thirds so you came into the two-thirds larger section and then you go into this third section so it's a room divider it's a room divider right? we had yeah. a curtain sometimes these days to separate yeah. a room into two parts yeah and and this again is a very fine kind of fabric it's a an, ex, an expensive hard to find many you know threads per inch sort of uh, wonderful twined linen. I mean, it's it's a classy piece. You know, we forget about the fact that that fabric during that day was a sign of great luxury and wealth. Well, you know? yeah, linen comes from flax, and you yeah. had to harvest the flax, strip the fibers, treat them, and weave them and weave into them. fabric. So we're talking about yeah. something that was extraordinarily labor intensive. Yeah, I mean, to create think about this fine fabric. Think about all those flax plants <laughs> and making a, uh, a fabric thing like this this big i mean and all the work in between and not only is it just fabric is expensive that's why they were actually gambling for jesus cloak you know when he died right fabric is expensive but here it's also marvelously dyed 
I mean, and has beautiful artwork. colors. Very expensive to get these kinds of dyes. Yeah, yeah. And you didn't see that. That was always an extra cost. That was something that just royalty in a way had. And then it has this artwork on it of the cherubim. We talked about them last They're time. They're worked into it. They're woven into it. Yeah. And we're going to find a little later in the in Exodus that God says, I will give specific gifts of my spirit to specific designers, weavers, and art workers mm-hmm. right. to create these beautiful things. Yeah. So, But here, we're just talking about this thing that we refer to as the veil. Yeah. One, two, three, four, five, five times in these three, four verses, he refers to the veil. Yep, yep. Remember, it's not a flimsy see-through thing. It's yeah. a heavy, substantial screen. It's set, yeah, it's, it's hung up to divide the room. Yeah. And when we talk about the decoration of the cherubim, this isn't just because that's a nice thing to put on the, the, the walls. I mean, we talked about last time that there's actually a couple statuettes of cherubim on top of the mercy seat on mm-hmm. the ark inside. Uh, and the cherubim always, all the way back to the Garden of Eden, were protective guard right, creatures guardians. in that sense. Yeah, they are guardians. And so you see their posture over the uh, over the ark, and they're guarding. Their wings are covering over. They're guarding that. They guarded the entrance to the to the Garden of Eden. They were guards. So when you see cherubim on the walls right here, too, in a sense, what God is saying quite visually is is that what is so precious inside here is actually guarded by the cherubim of heaven. I mean, it's guarded. It's, this is valuable. So don't mess around. So it's not just fun artwork. It's almost warning artwork. Well, yeah, it is. And the whole thing is constructed to put you in your place essentially well, to remind you where appropriate you are reverence. Yeah. and who you are approaching yeah this is a very very big deal so so we have we have this veil described to us in 31 how to hang it up you know and when you when you hang anything with clasps it's got to be gold because this is you know this, this is, is inside the most precious place this is meant to represent holiness in that sense um how to hang them up there um, and, and and what they said in 33, you hang the veil from the class and then bring the Ark of the Testimony in there within the veil. So that's the only thing only that's thing on the there. other side of the veil is that Ark of the Covenant. Yeah, and we talked about that at length before. So so this is going to block entry to that. And now it becomes designated as the most holy place. Most holy. Right, that's the whole right. tent was called the holy place. But now once you hang up the veil, the separation in front of the Ark of the Covenant, now that room becomes the most holy place. Right. So in a sense, it's it's the heart of where God's mm-hmm. presence is. And he says, I'll meet you there on the mercy seat. Right. So that, that actually makes sense. So again, we're with this tension that's in Exodus as well as the Bible where God's desire is to live amongst us and us to live with him. And yet because of our sin, we can't come near. And so in this particular case, the veil keeps you from coming near to the presence of God represented by that. Yeah, so as we said early on when we started talking about the tabernacle, every detail here points to to Jesus. Mm -hmm. It points to God's solution, right? The culmination of God's entire picture of how he has accomplished our salvation. It all points to the person of Jesus. And so, uh, you know, when you... A way to begin studying this passage with the veil here is take your concordance and look up the word veil. Now, you're going to turn up a whole bunch of stuff. You're going to turn up a bunch of different words for veil. Some of them reply to the veil a woman would fasten to her face or other kinds of coverings. But this one here, this 
is only used in reference to the veil in the temple. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And when you track through your concordance and come to the New Testament references, there won't be nearly so many. And they will all be very specific yeah. about this thing that hung that was torn from top to bottom at the death of Jesus. Right. Hebrews actually even goes so far as to say the veil, which was his flesh. Was his flesh, yeah. So, you know, that's worth camping on a little bit. So I would encourage you to just begin looking at those New Testament references to this veil and what the New Testament says. Because that's how we... That's how we come to understand the Old Testament is by what the New Testament says about it. Helps it helps us an awful lot. Yeah. yeah. In fact, when the writer of Hebrews is looking at that, he says, he says that the veil, well, you know how the veil right now, as we've looked at it, blocks the way mm-hmm. into the most holy place. And yet he says in Hebrews that Jesus is the new and living way. Right. You know, torn like the, the veil will He's be torn. He's entered within the veil. And offered Hebrews us a 6. way. So when Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and life, this is what he's talking right. about. This a is new the way, way in. into the presence of God. Yeah. And, and Hebrews 6 says he's gone in there as a forerunner and anchored yeah, yeah. As an anchor for our faith inside yeah. the veil. So from a Jewish metaphor perspective, this separation, this barrier that keeps us from God is somehow now taken care of through the breaking of Christ's body, the tearing mm. of the veil. And it, and, it, and it says in a very clear way, unequivocally, that now access to God has been radically opened because of what Christ has done yeah. for us. So the veil is something that says sin must keep you out, but through Christ, right. we can come in. There yeah. was a separation. I don't want to just think about a veil for a minute because the the only way we use a veil pretty much in our age is um, we all think of the veil that a bride wears. Yeah, right. 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 Uh, but uh, if you think of the function of a veil, it separates you from something, but it can be protective, yeah. right? Like mm-hmm. if you wear sunglasses, you wear those to veil your eyes from the glare. Mm-hmm. And that allows you to see better because you're not blinded by the glare, right? Mm-hmm. So when the scripture says he took on flesh, he veiled himself in flesh, well, he covered the glare, yeah. the glaring holiness of God so we could actually see in reality who God is, yeah. what he's like in the person of his son. And there's a lot there to unpack devotionally as you think about the jesus in his flesh representing the veil yeah 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 and if you just if you think of it very simply as a screen that keeps you Mm -hmm. keeps you from one place and another place in fact when you get when we get to the uh the tabernacle rituals and what goes on there you know we find out later on that only one person is allowed past this veil and that's the high priest and even at that he's only allowed once a year on the day of atonement to go into this and he better be carrying blood and he better be carrying blood yeah it's very specific the access is extraordinarily limited Limited. yeah and so that veil also provides a warning saying don't come past this point unless you are the high priest and you happen to be bringing blood as a sacrifice and this better be the day of atonement so it's a very restricted access there is access but it's very restricted and yet the writer of hebrews uh says that that jesus is now our high priest he's the one that goes in once for all right and he and he accomplishes going through that veil into this most holy place what all of those string of priests in the old testament couldn't accomplish jesus now does once for all and enters for us he's not only the veil that's torn that allows the new way he is actually the high priest who walks in who on walks our behalf yeah. carrying his own blood hebrews yeah. unpacks that beautifully yeah that's in hebrews 9 if you want to go check I, it out you know when when paul in second 
Corinthians 3 is talking about the significance of this new covenant. He turns a corner at one point and talks about how Moses used to veil his face. Oh, yeah, he veiled his so face. So that people couldn't yeah. see that the glory was fading. Remember, he went into the tent of meeting, right. had his conversations with the Lord, came out, and his face was glowing, and it freaked the people out. So he screened his so face. So he screened yeah. his face. He put on a veil so they couldn't see the glory so they would listen to him mm -hmm. but behind the veil the glory was fading yeah so in you, you go and look at second corinthians 3 That's because at the end thing. of the chapter paul says now but we all on this side of the new covenant we all with unveiled face beholding in a mirror as in a mirror the glory of the lord are being transformed into the into the same image from glory to glory Justice from the Lord, the Spirit. So yes. under the old covenant, the glory was fading. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But under the new covenant that Jesus established, the glory is increasing as we are transformed internally and changed into the image of the Son of God. It's, yeah. it's a beautiful picture. We have yeah, we unveiled could, face. There's nothing between us there's and nothing God between. anymore. Jesus has opened that way. Yeah, and that's that's one of Jesus' several roles when you look at him is he's the one who removes all the barriers. Mm -hmm. He removes all the barriers. He's the uh, way maker, right. as, a, as a current song and, says. And he allows us a way, a single way, into the presence of God's glory and seeing who God is. I mean, that, that in general is like the biblical thrust of the Bible is mm -hmm. God's intent to live with us and God's intent for us to come into his presence and to see his glory and experience him and to live with him that God God is a very relational God and Jesus solves the problem that the veil reminds us is a problem our sin you know I'm thinking about veils even today in countries where women are veiled in public yeah. where do they take the veil off inside their homes in the presence yeah. of their husbands right right so it's a relational thing it's always relational yeah, yeah it's always relational yeah, and you know, I just had a it just had a trivia moment. <laughs> <laughs> Be careful here. <laughs> uh, well, no, and then, you know, this is about Roman history. Uh, there, a great the great general Pompey. He was actually a pretty ruthless man. About five or six decades before the birth of Christ, Pompey goes around. He he does a lot of stuff around the world. His hero was Alexander the Great. So mm -hmm. Pompey was just a nasty guy, and uh, he did actually come into Israel and came into Jerusalem. And uh, and saw the temple and said, "Well, what's the big deal?" And he forced his way into the temple. This is, like, I think, it's fifty. Was it Pompey BC? that did that? It is Pompey? Yeah, in fifty or sixty BC, he comes in, pushes it. Well, there's another one even earlier uh, than I was that, say, but this yeah, is the last guy. one. This okay. is the last one before Jesus. And he comes in, and when he pushes his way into the temple, past the priests who were warning him, "Don't go in there, don't go in there," and he goes inside, and he's absolutely flabbergasted by what he doesn't find. He mm -hmm. doesn't find a statue or an idol in there. Mm -hmm. He finds the box. Mm -hmm. So so he says, well, who makes a temple and doesn't put their God in the temple? And so he he was just gobsmacked by the fact that, well, where's your God? Well, God is there. He's just not as a statue. He's not as an idol. That's right there. It's interesting. That's that was in fact Josephus, the famous historian, I am pretty sure is the one who wrote that down. It says this is Pompey's reaction when he went inside the temple. He went, Well, where's your God? <laughs> where's your God? Yeah. I think that was around sixty BC. Interesting thing, because you won't you won't see God as a statue inside the temple, unlike so that, every other religion. That just triggered a whole train of thought for me, but I won't unpack it now because oh, okay. I don't want to use up our time. Okay. We still have a little little bit of our own passage left. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, let, let's hit this last piece because we just talked about the veil. We'll probably come back a little bit more when we come back, but that's a barrier to the Holy of Holies. Mm -hmm. There actually is an external barrier to coming into the whole tabernacle itself. Right. 
And so I'll, I'll just read for us. That picks up well, in just remember that we, we said before that the description of the walls of the holy place. Right. There were walls on three sides, but the, right. the east-facing side was open. The well, this is where side. we find out what covers the entrance this side. This is how we close the entrance okay. side. Sorry, <laughs> right. I interrupted you. No, go no, ahead. that's that's really good because we've got three sides covered and not the entry side. So here we go. 36. So you shall make a screen for the entrance of the tent, a blue and purple and a blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twined linen here we again, go again. embroidered with needlework. And you shall make for the screen five pillars of acacia over Lay them with gold. Uh, their hooks shall be of gold, and you shall cast five bases of bronze for them. So this is just a second sort of barrier screen to coming in. Because, you know, there were restrictions about coming into the general tabernacle, not just the Holy of Holies, but even the holies on the outside. So so this was a way you had, this was the only entrance, by the way. Jesus is the only way. There is no back door to the tabernacle of the presence of God. There's only one way in, and this is the way in. The interesting thing to me, well, there's two interesting things that jump off the page for me. One is that this is a different Hebrew word. It is, yeah. Uh, they both yeah. mean a separating curtain, a thing that's hung right. that separates you. But uh, but I wonder about the significance of the difference between those words. And I, I didn't dig into it as far as I could. But So this is a different word, which is why in English it's translated a screen, a screen. instead of a veil. Yeah. And the yeah. other thing is that this one doesn't have a cherubim on it. No. It has something, otherwise, the description is the same. It has something embroidered it's on it, but we don't know what. Yeah. But it doesn't yeah. have the cherubim. So there's something, it's a little bit farther out from the, right. the deep, holy right. presence of God. And there's it's a little more, little more accessible. Yeah, so there's sort of a progressive things you go through as you come closer to the presence of God. Even still, I mean, if you think, if you put this in your mind's eye for a second, if you stand outside the tabernacle once it's erected, the tent, you know, you see the other three sides we were just talking about, which has the goat's hair and and all the all the layers of leather on the top and all that kind of stuff. It's kind of it's kind of rough looking, you know. If you went around all the four sides of the tabernacle, you'd see those very utilitarian, high durability sides, and the then you then you'd come to this wonderful linen thing with all these colors in it. You go, well, you know. That's probably the direction you go to get toward God. None of the other sides. This is the entrance. And it would be such a stark contrast from the other sides, from the materials of the other sides. I'm sure it just kind of just blazed as you looked at it. Go, wow, look at that. That's the entrance right there. And as you would come through that, the colors and the fine linen, and you'd walk into the center, into that, into the holy place there. Then you'd be then you'd be surrounded with curtains that have cherubim, you know, suggesting to you that actually the powers of heaven are protecting what's so precious inside of here. And then you'd see all the gold things. I mean, it would be just such a different thing. But this would be very clearly a different side of the tabernacle. This is how you go in. And every time I think about that contrast about what the four sides look like, I think mm-hmm. about the fact that Jesus says, I'm the way. And a lot of people today talk about, well, no, I think there's a lot of ways to God. Right. Well, in the tabernacle, there's only one way. Okay, and this is the screen that everybody could see. Yes, exactly. Right? They couldn't all see that veil before the Holy Inside. of Holies. That's right. But they everybody could see this screen. And that set me thinking. It remind, mm-hmm. remind, reminded me of a, a woman I talked with once who, who ministered in Muslim countries. And she said, you know, it's very helpful if we understand that there's many, many ways to Jesus. 
right. but only one way to God. Exactly. Through him. Through him. And so that kind of came to mind as I was thinking about this, this veil, this curtain that's out here that everybody can see. Yeah. This right? one's visible. This is the way in. Yeah. But yeah. it's only through this curtain. This one's visible and it and it actually it, just by its visualness and its contrast to the other side says something about hope and promise and the presence of God, something and very valuable inside and beauty. Yeah. It, it's it's such a remarkable image. Just that's why God you know, I always thought God could have made that goat's hair thing go around the four sides. Mm. But he leaves this side open so that this entrance toward God would be visually stunning and inviting. And you know that this is where you'll find God. I think that's just great. Well, and it's open. And it's open. It's yeah. a curtain, right? Yeah. Yep. Well, you, you're not going to go through the side of the tent. No. <laughs> but this is deliberately designed this to is the say, entry. this is the entryway. This is come, the entry. Come in through here. Yeah. So again, we have this tension showing in these screens, these barriers, that God wants to be in our midst, but he has controlled access, and that the controlled access is just because we're tainted by sin. That's what it's all about. And yet, so, in the New Testament, Jesus fixes that. So who had access now to this this holy place? Right. Well, we'll find out later that it was the high priest and all of the Levites and everybody else who right. did the service that yeah. took place in there, the caring for the lights and the bread and the incense, all of that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but only the high priest would go in to the Holy of Holies. Yeah. So again, it's that kind Very of, restrained. Um, progressive access mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and the further you got in the more holy and precious everything looked and that which makes sense there's a presence mm -hmm. of God you know just as an idle kind of closing thought I always wondered when they packed up camp mm -hmm. how much of the insides of the tabernacle you would see as they would carry it away oh I think there's some instructions about that I think about there, there's instructions to the Levites about covering the ark before. Well, I know covering the ark, but I wondered about all the other all the other tapestries, whether they'd see the veil, you know, well, with the cherubim on it. could be, although it's possible that they, we'd have to look that up. Yeah, I'm not sure. That they packed that up first. Yeah. So I'm, that when I'm the wondering. outer walls came down, all of the very holy things were still hidden. That would make sense to yeah. me, but I can't, I couldn't remember off the top of well, my head. Well, we'll track that down and get we'll back to it. We'll track that down. Well, anyway, <laughs> you know, next time we're going to come back, we're moving outside of the tabernacle proper, mm -hmm. going into the courtyard uh, that's outside of it there's some significant stuff outside there and there's more to learn about things you pass as you go through the courtyard as you come toward this entry right here this courtyard that has a lot of importance so we're going to come to that as we start into chapter 27 so you want to join us or you can read ahead you know and uh and see what you find there but there's some specific things outside of the tabernacle proper which really indicate something special from god's perspective of our approach, approach. to god and that's what we're going to look at. So we hope you're enjoying doing this with us. I'm, I'm loving it. I'm walking through the tap all, tabernacle all over again. So I'm Jim. And I'm Dorothy. And we're delighted you're with us. So come back next time as we look at the outer court of the tabernacle on More Than Ink. More Than Ink is a production of Main Street Church of Brigham City and is solely responsible for its content. To contact us with your questions or comments, just go to our website, morethaninc.org. Yay! That's a lot of work. <laughs>